gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. I'm your publisher, Billy Embody. A big, big podcast plan previewing SMU's spring game on Friday night, now that it's been moved from Saturday due to weather. We'll get into some big basketball notes uh, as well as answer your questions um, from our Pony Stampede subscribers. PonyStampede.com, we're a part of the 24-7 Sports Network. You can check us out at PonyStampede.com to pick up a subscription. Really encourage you to do so right now. Uh, Tons of notes about to go up as you're listening to this podcast. They're probably online already, PonyStampede.com, especially on the basketball side of things. Tons of recruiting news, tons of transfer news starting to make their way out as the recruiting period begins today, Thursday, as you're listening to this. Um, So a Like I said, a lot to get to. You can check it out on PonyStampede.com. Now, uh, I do encourage you to leave us a review at the end of the podcast and subscribe to the Pony Stampede podcast as well. Check it out um, there. Um, And we'll get into a lot here. And so the the pressing stuff right now, I would say, is the basketball stuff. And we'll get into some some football at the end of the pod as well. Um, But I want to lead off with the news that Darius McNeil is going to take an official visit this weekend to SMU. That's the Cal transfer. He averaged 11 points per game uh, this past season. He's played two years for the Bears, and now uh, he's looking to get closer to home. And so that's uh, a part of his transfer decision. SMU, Baylor, and TCU all really in the mix uh, right now for him. Pitt is trying to get in there as well. The assistant that recruited him at Cal uh, is now with the Pitt Panthers, and so uh, they're trying to get a visit set up. But right now, really, it's it's a Texas school battle. That's what that's what um, you know McNeil really wants to uh, to do is get closer to home for his final two potentially three years left of college. Right now, he'd have to sit out, but a lot of people think, especially nowadays, that that um, he'd be able to get a waiver and play right away. That's not a guarantee, but. It's certainly in the cards for him. And so um, Darius McNeil set to visit SMU this weekend um, and take his official visit. He's supposed to go to TCU next weekend. We'll see if that happens or if SMU can lock him down after the weekend. Uh, Assistant KT Turner leading the way there. Um, So that's the biggest news out of uh, really the the recruiting world right now for for SMU. Uh, Darius McNeil, the Cal transfer, headed to SMU this weekend for a visit. Now, where does that leave everything else? We've talked about guys like Taz Sherman, who's set to visit West Virginia this weekend. We've talked about guys like Keyshawn Bruton, who is the Chipola shooting guard um, that really was supposed to visit SMU this weekend. Some plans have changed. We have more notes on that on PonyStampede.com and kind of where things stand there. Um, so check that out. But um, some of the other names that that are you're going to begin to hear are Jalen Harris and Admon Gilder, uh, both transfers, one from Nevada. Uh, Jalen's uh, an SMU legacy. Both he and his, uh, his his dad and his mom played at SMU. His mom's in the Hall of Fame. Um, and and on the other side of things, Admon Gilder, who's recruited by SMU out of high school and um, is, is now graduating and transferring from Texas A&M for his final season of eligibility. Uh, he dealt with some health issues this past year and, and, uh, was cleared to cleared to resume playing. And, um, so he's going to play his, his final season 
elsewhere um, as the Aggies go through a coaching change. One thing uh, to note there, um, he does have the, you know, going back to that uh, recruitment, he does have the knowledge of SMU. There's some thought that he would like to be closer to Dallas uh, for his final season, but there, there will be uh, plenty of other schools really in the mix for him. He's a veteran guard and uh, one that's contributed at a high level in the SEC. So that is Admon Gilder uh, out of Texas A&M. Jalen Harris transferred to Nevada uh, just last January and um, just really he's been sitting out and uh, now he'll be able to uh, to transfer again. So theoretically with Harris, that's another one that you could have a waiver for since he sat out um, this this entire past year. And, and so he's now in the transfer portal. Uh, he averaged 15 points per game, four rebounds, two, two assists per game as a sophomore at Louisiana Tech before he decided to transfer. Shot almost 50% from the field and, and 45% from three-point range. So really impressive uh, young man out of Duncanville High School in, in Dallas area. And so uh, he'd be a major, major pickup. He actually won uh, the testing combine that Nevada held uh, this offseason. So he's, he's got some athleticism as well there. So those are two new names to, to kind of know. And um, again, we'll, we'll drop some more notes on things um, in terms of those guys and, and some other things and where, where things are headed um, as uh, you know the day goes on on Pony Stampede. So check those out uh, for sure. Uh, there's plenty of basketball questions. I, like I said, I think that uh, is certainly the way to go. And um, we'll cover a lot uh, of ground in, with some of these questions. So we'll start with Pony Kai who asks, uh, I don't think this has been covered. Apologies if it has. But what's the, what's the plan next year for, for point guard? Um, Wit's pretty much gone. Will, jo- will Tyson Jolly run the point? Uh, will, will CJ White run it? Will there be a grad transfer? Right now, uh, the plan is... Really, I mean, positionless, I think, is probably the best way to put it. And and uh, they don't have a true point guard. Bryce Cook, is uh, his status is certainly up in the air when, when you look at um, how how he'll do on those blood thinners that he's going to have to have to be on um, as as a you know, he's had multiple he's had a stroke and, and a setback and you know, another another stroke. And so um, he's he's somebody that right now it's it's difficult to see what what the future holds for him, but he's their point guard signee. And um, we'll see how things go uh, there for him because he's um, he's the guy that they signed at, at point guard this year. And uh, But right now they don't have really anyone else kind of slotted for as a true point guard. Uh, Tyson Jolly could probably run some. Jalen Harris maybe can. You know, if you get Jimmy Witt back, you know, but that's unlikely, I think, at this point. They're, they're just – kind of some different things they can do, but I don't think right now they're going to have a true primary point guard in that sense. And and so it's going to be a, an interesting thing to, to follow as we go through the off season and into, into next year as, as to how, how the ball handling goes and how they, how they approach everything there. Um, it, this is uh, two questions from, from Stang's 2018 on our board is, is if this is really the deciding year for Tim Jankovic, what does he have to do to keep his job? I, I really think he's got to at least make a strong run in the NIT. Um, so he's got to make the NIT, and, and maybe that's enough. But again, I, I just don't think if injuries are what kept you know SMU from from the NIT this year and scholarship sanctions, you 
you got everything back now. Um, how, how does, um, that affect just really how they, how they can go about everything. And so, um, I think they've got to make a strong run in the NIT and, and show upward trajectory. And then Emmanuel Bandamel, how many years does he have left? I, I think one or two, it just hasn't been cleared up yet, but, um, I'll, I'll, I'll reach out to SMU compliance and see if they've gotten more clarity on his situation, but, um, one or two, uh, for Bandamel. And then uh, from Bleed SMU Pride, how many how many more players do I see SMU adding uh, for next season? Um, right now, I would say two or three. Uh, I think that's really the the sweet spot right there. Um, so they could they could add somebody like Darius McNeil. They could still land Taz Sherman, um, but but I do think two to three is probably what they end up doing uh, in all likelihood. Now, on the high school front, I don't really think they're going for anyone uh, in the high school ranks at this point. Uh, Chris Harris, long shot they tried there. Austin Crowley, some, not somebody we've really seen SMU linked with in a long time, so I, I'm going to say no on, on um, high school prospects. I mean, unless somebody really, really falls into their lap that's a big-time player. But um, right now, I mean, they, they have not... Um, they have not been... They're, they're looking for guys that, that can go right away, and that's part of the reason why like we dropped on our board that that there's been a change in um you know how uh you know how they um you know have have, have you know gone about recruiting guys like Keyshawn Bruton you know they want to make sure that these guys that they're lining up are are the legit guys that contribute right away because they need them and they need guys to step up so um you know right now the 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 big the big targets are, are Taz Sherman, um, Darius McNeil and Jalen Harris. Now that he's out there in the, in the transfer portal, I mean, those are probably your big three to really watch, um, for, for SMU. And so, um, Taz Sherman will decide shortly after his West Virginia visit this weekend. And so I don't think they're going to have to be put into a quandary with, with Bruton's plans kind of changing. Um, so it's just Darius McNeil in for a visit this weekend. And so uh, as far as uh, the recruiting, you know, for, for SMU trying to round things out with the transfer, um, you know, that's kind of where things stand. Those are some of the targets to know. Uh, that's kind of who they're lining up. And uh, we'll see kind of how, how things pan out for them. Um, you know, I think next year with the AAC to answer, to kind of round things out on basketball and, and answer uh, Bleed SMU Pride's second question, uh, as far as the AAC next year, um, I do think it's a three bid league. Uh, there's, you, you're going to have, you've got Houston back. I think Wichita state's going to be better than they were. They showed some improvement, um, uh, towards the end of the year and certainly made a run in the NIT. You've got, um, USF is going to be considerably better. Um, UCF is still, still one of the top teams in the conference. I know they're, they're, they're going to lose taco fall and, and guys like that, but, um, they're, they're still going to be a very good basketball team and, and coach Dawkins is a good coach. So yeah, I do. I do think it's a, it's a three bid league and um, you know, I, we'll kind of have to see how things pan out with, with schools like Cincinnati. I mean, do they, how, how much do they fall off next year without Mick Cronin at the helm? That's huge. And, but they, but they should have the talent to, to potentially make the tournament if, if they get the right hire in there. So um, three or four, I think potentially, but um 
we'll, we'll see how things play out. And, and I mean, Houston's going to be on another level next year. I mean, they're going to be even better. So um, it, the league is strong, I think, for the most part, especially at, at the top end. They, you know, they lose a good bit of notoriety with Cronin on the way out. But um, three or four teams is, is definitely in the cards for them um, to, to have next year in the tournament. So that's kind of the basketball side of things. I do think if, as they add players, they're getting closer to, you know, maybe you'll see some movement on the actual roster of players, um, maybe moving on. And so we'll have to see, but, um, I do want to get to some football. There's plenty of questions about that as well. The spring game this weekend, uh, on Friday night at the practice fields to lead off with that. Um, everyone freaked out, of course, uh, when uh, it was announced that it will be at the practice fields and not at Ford Stadium, wondering what the reason was and was the administration, was it this, was it that. I mean, you can hear the undertones deafening out there from it. And it's it's always funny because you know people jump on that immediately without knowing uh, what they're talking about or anything like that. But um, the reason the, pra- the uh, spring game will be on the practice fields on Friday night at 6.30 is because the coaches wanted to be there. Uh, knowing that they've moved the spring game now and having recruits come in for uh, the spring game, they want to make it exactly how they had it last Friday um, on the practice fields. It was a great atmosphere. I, I've talked with plenty of recruits that said it really had a lot of energy. I've talked with some coaches that said, look, this is this is a great place to be on a Friday night and, and you can feel the energy. And so when when you've got, let's say, you know, 500 people out there watching, it's a good atmosphere to host recruits in and, and to um, to have them out there. So really, it's a recruiting thing, and um, it's very casual. It's not going to be a um, – I don't think it's going to be a full-on spring game. So they're going to go through a little scrimmage, um, and then it'll be, you know, more of a, a, a family kind of festive atmosphere out there. Kids will be running around on the other field. and. It's just really it's it's how they want to showcase things uh, for this final final uh, practice. So it was on the coaches, and it's a good decision. You know that if that's the way they feel they can best showcase uh, the program, then then that's that's the way to go. And um, they'll get plenty of opportunities to have kids in the stadium when there's you know real games going on uh, this fall. So. That's why it's a recruiting thing. It's easy for the coaches to immediately start talking to the kids right after, bring them around the team uh, instead of that, playing that waiting game of bringing them down onto the field after it's over and, and all of that. Um, so that's why it's out at the practice field. It's a recruiting thing, uh, and it's and it's they've had such a good atmosphere having the night practices out there the last the last weekend that they thought they were going to do that. This we're going to do the same thing again, uh, and so that's why they did it. Um. As far as uh, the spring game, what we're watching for, um, for me, I want to see how the offensive line looks. That's been uh, a position that they've certainly uh, moved plenty of people around at and 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 made it um, really competitive and, and brought new guys in, Kobe Bryant and, and guys like that. Uh, I want to see how they perform. Uh, Charlie Flores is the Columbia grad transfer. I want to see how he looks. There, there's a lot of competition on that offensive line, and so uh, that's what I'm definitely looking at. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, I want to see how their corners uh, stack up. I, I want to see how they're tested. I want to see how they do against, really, I mean, SMU's stacked wide receiving core um, and, and how they defend it. Uh, to answer Flock of Seagull's question uh, about cornerback help uh, and where it's coming from, uh, they do have two JUCO players that um, they feel really good about 
um, or not JUCO players, but uh, transfer players that they feel really good about landing. They've been looking at some junior college players as well, but uh, two defensive backs um, are are really expected to to get into the uh, program and get to work this summer. And the reason why you haven't heard specific names is because people I talk with don't want specific names out there because coaches read message boards and then they start recruiting other players. They had two players last summer that they really felt good about for a while. It got out and uh, they ended up elsewhere, bigger programs. So that's why um, sources don't want that out there. Uh, I don't think Brandon Crosley would have started day one, but he really would have been in the rotation. He's pretty rail thin, so he would have needed a really strong summer with Kazkazity to play right away, um, in my pick, in my opinion. But um, yeah, I do think uh, the cornerback spot is something that I'm really watching, as well as the development of the defensive ends. I think that's a position that'll really put a lot of pressure on the quarterback this year. Uh, I want to see how Toby and Duckway and Gary Wiley, all those guys have really developed. And then you've got veterans like like Delonte Scott back. So um, that should be a fun position to watch in the spring game and, and the competition against the offensive linemen. And uh, with that, uh, we will get back to you previewing uh, the rest of the spring game and, and answering the rest of these questions uh, right after this quick break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast, continuing our SMU spring football game preview. Um, some of the things that also I'm, I'm certainly looking forward to is, is how much can Terrence Gibson do? How... Uh, how little will he do? He's the true freshman quarterback that enrolled and has really looked strong for the most part. And, and he's attacked his rehab really well, which is a credit to him. And so how much do they use him or do they just give Will Brown, Austin Upshaw, Derek Green, all the keys to the car for the spring game and, and let them just go? Um, obviously, Will Brown has a chance to, to really stake his claim to the starting job. I mean, Sonny Dykes and his staff is, have said and showed that the best players will play and, and, you know, Will Brown's going to have his chance, you know, to at least, to at least take his, stake his claim to that. I, I do still think it ends up being Shane Bouchelle, of course, but, um, Will Brown with a strong, strong spring game can certainly give the staff some confidence going into the summer, um, on his end. Um, from there, um, really, I think it's a good opportunity for, for some of these younger guys. I think for the most part, the staff knows, what they have with a lot of the older guys. So guys like James Prochet and Reggie Roberson, even Xavier Jones and, and Kemon Freeman. Uh, I, I think they'll be careful with a lot of these guys, but 
giving guys like Tamaric Williams an opportunity to show what he can do, um, giving guys like uh, Travion Johnson and, and some of these other uh, younger players that, that had some upside, um, you know, giving them a chance to, to show what they can do and, and work them out will be a big part of this spring game. I mean, no one wants to go through uh, the spring game and have your starters all banged up from it. So I think they'll be careful with a lot of the reps with some of these guys as well. Um, as far as um, looking ahead to next season, was was asked about um, your favorite, or not the favorite, but the game uh, next year that I'm most excited about. And and I'm going to go ahead and and say that um, pretty excited about um, the TCU game. I, I do think by that point of the schedule, I do think SMU is going to be relatively settled in. And it's even though it's at TCU, I do see an opportunity for them to potentially take this one. And so that'll be uh, certainly a test. But I, I think TCU is, is the biggest game for me that in terms of hype and what I'm looking forward to, it's that one right off the bat. Um, and then in terms of uh, kind of winning percentage for next year, I'll quickly run through uh, the the schedule. I do think they'll w- win at Arkansas State in week one. So they're 1-0. I think they avenge what happened at North Texas last year. I don't think that game was indicative of how, of how that football team ultimately played out. And if you looked at the two programs, SMU actually kind of trended up as the season went on, um, even with the, the losses to uh, to uh, Memphis and um, uh, Tulsa to, to end the season. Um, you know, I, I do think that um, SMU showed that they can you know, hold their own and, and play good defense and do all those things. And so um, that's why I feel like SMU really, you know, trended up from from the, uh, you know, from the loss at North Texas, as bad as that was. That, that loss was like, w- was way worse than the score even uh, indicated. So um, I, I do think that uh, that'll be a good opportunity for them to avenge that. And then, Texas State, new coaching staff there. Uh, there'll be uh, two. They'll be three weeks into the to the Jake Spavital era. Uh, they'll they'll go for it all. It's a home game, um, and and that offense is difficult to defend. But again, I, I do like where where SMU stands. And at that point in the season, I think they'll they'll have any any sort of kinks kind of worked out. So I think they're going to be three and zero going into going into the TCU game. And yeah, yeah I'm not necessarily sure SMU can beat TCU but I will say this I don't think TCU really knows who their quarterback is and I think that's a big deal and can't be understated and it's not like you have somebody like Kenny Hill battling for it or um, you know Justin Rogers has had his issues and and all those things so with so much uncertainty there I mean I'm going to just go ahead and pick it at four that that they're going to lose it uh, but it would not shock me at all um, until this team really shows me that they can compete and, and, uh, beat them. And, and they did for a little bit at times last year, um, but just didn't have it in them for the full 60. So I'm going to go three and one. I think out at South Florida is going to be very difficult. That was a program that obviously started red hot and finished about as poorly as you could have. Um, I do think they go and get a win on the road. Um, so they end up four and one. Coming off that TCU loss, they, they bounce back. I'll go the same same against Tulsa at home. They head into the bye week, 5-1. and one, uh, one win needed for bowl eligibility. Temple, I think that's going to be a win at home, 6-1. and one. 
uh, at Houston. This is this is a really really interesting one because I think this is a game that when you talk about some of the issues in the secondary that SMU is certainly facing heading into next year, grad transfers, JUCO or not, this is one where where I think they're going to have have some issues and. Um, it, you know, Dana Holgerson's a really good offensive coach, and and I know SMU at this point of the season will um, will have things rolling. I, I think, in in my mind at least, I, I just don't don't think they have it in them to go down to Houston and get a win. Um, so SMU is going to be six and two after after the win or after the loss to Houston. I do think they bounce back. They circle the wagons and they uh, they beat Memphis on the road. There's something about that program right now that that just doesn't sit well um, with me in terms of just kind of looking forward. I, I just I'm I'm waiting for them to drop off, and I think eventually the drop off might be really significant. Um, and they lost Daryl Henderson, their running back. So, um, and and with any sort of offense, SMU beats them at, at Ford Stadium last year, um, but they just didn't have enough. So uh, I I think they end up seven and two ECU. I mean, they're they're not they're just not a great football team. Um, so eight and two after that, they go at Navy again. Um, this one's a tough one. I, I thought the emotions and everything that went into beating Navy at home last year and 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 all those things. I mean, we're just kind of a perfect storm. But I don't I don't think they get it done on the road at in Annapolis. I think they're sitting at eight and three. And then they finish up by bouncing back and beating Tulane in the regular season for a nine and three uh, record. Um, I could be persuaded to to you know listen to arguments about South Florida um, and kind of where they stand. So you know you could look at eight and four, but look, I, I I'm going to make no bones about it with this SMU football team. I think they're on the on the up. Um, I think they have a really really good chance. Um, to, to, to make a lot of noise in this conference this year um, and, and, and potentially sneak in as the AAC West um, you know, champions, depending on if Houston doesn't hold things together. Houston has kind of a, a – they're going to go through a culture change this year and how they do things in general, and so that could affect them as well. Uh, another game that's going to be difficult is Arkansas State, but that doesn't affect really SMU's chances at you know winning the conference and doing all that, so – uh, if they do drop it, I think it's going to be another situation where the team doesn't panic. They get back to work and they try to figure things out. They're in all likelihood they're probably going to be breaking in a new quarterback, and um, so that'll be uh, certainly a big thing uh, for SMU going into that one on the road. Uh, the good thing is 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 if it's Shane Bouchelle, he's gone to, into plenty of environments and played pretty well. If it's Will Brown, he stepped in as a true freshman in the big house and and played. Uh, fairly well as well. So um, I, I do think this team, and, and remember, SMU's team is is lit, littered with veterans. There's a ton of, of older players in this football program. And when you couple that with some of the guys that are expected to come in and contribute early on, um, I mean, I think it's a it's a really good opportunity for them to to make a, a big run at um, you know this 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 conference. I mean, I, I do, and um, you just talk with a lot of people around the program and. Just the way things are now, it, it's just totally different, and um, you know we'll see we'll see if it it all holds true and 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 it can all happen. But I like SMU to to have a a solid eight nine win season 
at, at the least. Um, we'll kind of see. As far as true freshmen and, and who could step in and and, um, and and play for SMU right away, I'm going to go with with a couple here. I think Nelson Paul and, and Phil Mayer had a really good tidbit on him in our Hilltop Review this week, so check that out um, for VIP subscribers on, on Wednesdays. Nelson Paul, the defensive end out of out of Florida that they signed, is is probably I mean he's super underrated. I think he's going to be one where we end up looking a little silly for having him that that low, at least in the state of Florida, especially. But um, him, I think T.J. McDaniel is going to play a ton, whether it be on special teams or whether it be on uh, you know getting some carries here and there. But uh, he's a hard worker. He's a weight room warrior, and that bodes well for him to get on special teams and at least uh, make an impact there. I think Kiki Burns um, and potentially Calvin Wiggins are two that that could play right away. Um, and especially, I think I think Kiki. I think when you look at when you look at Calvin, uh, he's so long and and he needs he needs a he needs a weight room. So a good summer with Kaz could certainly do it for him. Um, but I, I think those two um, will will have a real opportunity to play right away in SMU's offense. So those are a trio of of true freshmen that I think will play. A good bit um, on the team, so we'll, we'll see how that plays out, and as they get into the summer, how they pan out. But um, you know, one final thing on the indoor practice facility was asked about the progress. They're still on track for a June, June, July timeline for them to get in there. I'm going to go and take some pictures Friday before the spring game, and I'll put them together in a little gallery for everybody to to take a look at. So um, we'll have that. For you guys, um, they're almost done um, raising the money. They need six million bucks, so they they really need a um, a uh, a namesake type donation for for the indoor practice facility. So big big donation. So we'll see kind of how they handle that. But they're they're you know for the most part on track to have it um, raised and all of that. And then I did miss this question: uh, Does Ken McLaren move back to defense tackle? Uh, no, I don't think so. I talked with him after uh, the life after ball thing earlier or last week, and he said he's adjusting well. He's learning all the schemes, so he seems all in on offensive guard. Uh, and then Jake Hall, I have no timeline. It's just at the NCAA's um, timeline. I I would be interesting to see if he's if that's still on track. So I'll check in on that and kind of see where things stand. But there's n- never ever any set timeline on. Um, getting a, an extra waiver approved or an extra year and all those things. So uh, that'll pretty much wrap up the podcast. I will say to be on the lookout for the visitor list for the spring game, we'll have that for you guys posted when uh, we start to hear about some of these guys coming in. I'm sure it might have shifted a little bit with the change in the um, you know, timing of the spring game, but um, we'll certainly um, – We'll certainly keep you in the loop as to who uh, on the recruiting front is coming in for that one. Uh, a couple of interesting questions here, a trio of them, and I'll, I'll hit them, hit on them. Uh, who's my pick to win the Masters? My pick to win the Masters is Dustin Johnson. I um, think he's been, think he's going to do it this year. I just feel really good about him. Uh, and then, do my Lightning have any chance whatsoever of derailing the Juggernaut, juggernaut Caps repeat bid? Uh, the Lightning certainly have a chance uh, after last night's three uh, nothing blown lead loss in Game One to Columbus. I'm, I'm certainly hurting from that, but I feel like they'll circle the wagons and they'll make a deep, deep playoff run and, and hopefully get the get the ultimate prize at the end of it. And on a more serious note, 
Uh, New Ducker asks, uh, with with print media declining in importance, where do you see future work opportunities for journalism majors? Uh, is it websites such as this? I'm not a student and never was a journal- journalism major and will never again be a student. Just curious about the question. I would say, one, uh, just to start, print media uh, isn't declining in importance. It's getting more important because uh, the the reader, the not the readership, the uh, circulation numbers, um, the uh, consistency in a lot of local papers printing and just all of those things. And, and just, I mean, downsizing in general at newspapers is declining. And so the importance of good print media is actually going up. Um, the issue is, is sometimes be, these businesses can't um, focus on that importance of good print media because either the paper's not doing well enough or, um, uh, just the certain business decisions that are that have to be made. Um, so you see a lot of, I mean, you look at some of the sports columnists that I, I mean, that I know around the region that are being laid off, and um, you know they're having to figure out different ways to to stay, you know, um, writing and, and in this business. And it's because you know salaries are so high up for so long and things like that. But to answer your question, um, where are the future work opportunities? They're certainly at, at local papers still. Uh, the website, the online edition, is as important as ever. Um, and there are plenty of people that still do great work. And then there's people like me and um, the guys that work here that that do this, which is a subscription-based model, which is, I think, the way to go in the future. I think we do a good job of, of having both free and, and premium content for you guys. And what people are prioritizing now is the premium experience. So getting uh, well done in-depth pieces or like the athletic, for example, or insider information that they can't get elsewhere like we do. And, and so if you're in our business, you you really have to want to be in it, which is always which is always um, chasing leads and chasing sources and, and doing a lot of that, which all reporters do. But you know, if you want the inside scoop or if you want this or that, you've got to really be aggressive with it. And it's, so it's a little different, you know, whereas a newspaper reporter might spend their time talking to 10 different people for a story um, that's going to be 3,000 words. And, um, you know, it, it's it's just kind of a different model. And then um, we'll see where the future takes us because, you know, something else will come and, and that'll certainly be... Um, Interesting to see what happens. I mean, the athletic is an all subscription model. I don't think it's going to be enough to keep them afloat. Um, or if it does, they'll have to make some changes to kind of how they do things to stay afloat. Because you have to have you have to have a certain number of, of ad rev, certain number of ad revenue, certain number of subscription, um, and all those things. And so, um, and then video play counts as well. I mean, it's all about finding the sweet spot, and that's why I'm really comfortable with where we are with 24-7 and being backed by CBS Sports. It's just awesome. Um, but this, this, these are great opportunities. We have, and, and sometimes time is um, also a little bit of a killer, but you know, when we're able to do really nice in-depth pieces, I think it adds so much for you guys as subscribers uh, to check out, and, and, and access, too, hurts, hurts that, you know? When, when we can't, like... You know, we talked about basketball media availability being down to nothing, and um, 
it was just really kind of sad. You know, senior night rolled around and there was no, there was no piece to be done on Dre Foster's career. There was no piece to be done on, um, you know, just whoever. And, and so, um, that kind of stinks. Um, so I hope, I hope access gets better because it helps media too. When, when you don't have, when, when you have 15 minutes and, and, and football is great because we do get the full practice to, to have a great notebook for you guys. But when you get 15 minutes to go in and see the players um, for practice and they're warming up and then that's it and you're done at other schools and you know you get two players available during the week or what have you, you're, the quality of what you get to write goes down. And so it kind of hurts uh, in that regard. So um, there's, there's hopefully going to end up being kind of a, um, a moment where I think both, um, organizations and, and schools have to realize, look, we kind of have to help the media too. We've got to give them something to write about because, you know, we try throughout the season and off season to find as many different things to write about as we possibly can. And, and I will say SB football has been awesome at this, that if we absolutely need something, you know, they're, they're pretty good about trying to make it happen. Um, but you know, others are not. And, and so having um, access and having um, interviews that we can go and do is, is just key to giving you guys great stuff. It's key to, you know, to be honest, us making money and, and doing all those things so that we can stay, stay around and kick in and all that stuff. And, um, but for, for journalism majors, I think you need to understand that it's a instant business, but it's also um, a business where you need to be right now more than ever, uh, rather than first. So if something happens though, you want to be that first resource where people go, where people know that there will be a story on it. And for us too, it's not only the story, it's the backstory, um, which is where we, you know, do the premium side of things. Um, so that's kind of, uh, you know, what we hope to be is we want to be where people go to get the story and then get the backstory. And we hope that our, our initial story of Jimmy Witt declaring for the NBA draft is followed by a backstory where we say, look, he declared for the NBA draft. This wasn't necessarily the expected route, but you know, more, more likely than not, he's going to return to college for his senior year and, and graduate and transfer. Um, that's, you know, just an example. That's what we want to be is kind of giving you guys that. And so, um, I think journalism majors need to understand how important it is to be first and how to how to be the ultimate resource for whatever you're covering because if you're not you're not going to be good enough in, to get those um, page clicks to to keep you around and it's not writing clickbait it's just being the resource that will have a story up first that will be prepared uh, for when that story comes so like for example I mean last summer with, with some of these uh, graduate transfers, I mean, we had stories ready to go. And as soon as the kid announced, boom, we were there. And and that's a big, big thing. So it, it's not, it's knowing what's coming without being, you know, uh, having to break things and, and, you know, be wrong or do this or that. So anyway, uh, I love what I do. I think it's awesome. Um, we've, I've got a great company behind us uh, here at Pony Stampede and hope you guys enjoy all the content that comes from spring practice this weekend, the final spring game, on Friday night, 6.30 p.m. We'll be out there, have your full coverage, so uh, stick around. It'll be a big weekend on the site, um, and, and as we track the official visits, 
uh, visit of uh, Darius McNeil as well. So stay tuned for all that, and, and thanks for listening today. We'll talk next time.